morning, everyone. Let's have a prayer together as we get started. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would come and apply this word to our hearts. And Lord, it would bear eternal fruit in your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the baptism that will take place in a few moments. Thank you for the love of Christ between us, Lord. Thank you for this family of faith. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you can see this tie, but it has musical instruments on it, and I'm wearing it in honor of the Henry family singers who sang so beautifully Friday uh, at Myrna's graduation service. Thank you guys so much. We, we love your family, and we're so grateful for Myrna's life and for your life among us. Well, let's turn to 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. Kind of to get started, you can see that we're going to talk about evangelism this morning. You might remember that uh, Bill preached around the 1st of January about new things and God of the new, and you might also remember that Gordon uh, spoke prophetically about this is a year of harvest for us, and you might remember that a few weeks ago we had an all-day Saturday seminar on evangelism. And so we're going to talk about what was shared with us that Saturday. But these are some verses just to get us inspired and and going in this direction, starting in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Do you think we're in that time? And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. And this is the verse to focus on. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So again, a few Saturdays ago, we had a a well-attended workshop on evangelism. And um, so rather than preach today, I'm going to just share with you the things uh, that were shared with us. And I think you'll see that it's, it's very beneficial, very good in your efforts to share your faith. Everybody ought to have a bill in their life. 
Okay. Well, let me just talk, start to introduce the, the uh, conference that we had. It was, it was put on by a group called uh, No Place Left, which is uh, taken from Romans 15, verse 23, where the Apostle Paul is talking to the Romans, and he's saying, I think I'll come visit you because there is no place left in these regions for me, meaning the gospel had been shared uh, where he was. It was developed by a missionary in Nepal um, named uh, Nathan Shanks. He was working under the Baptist IMB International Missions Board. So that's where this came from. Um, it's based, uh, the model is based on Mark 4, 26 through 29. You might want to turn there or just listen to me read it. It's the parable of the growing seed, and it's a description of how the kingdom of God grows. So here is the parable. This is Mark 4, verse 26. He was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So here's a pictorial model uh, that they shared with us of the four fields. The first field uh, in your upper left is where you go out into the empty field. Those lines represent the soil, um, and you engage the lost somehow, talking to them. You, in the upper right, you share the gospel, you spread seed, and then in the lower right, uh, you go to bed. That's a nice part, isn't it? You go to bed, uh, and you just sleep, and you see what grows. And so when you have a disciple, someone who receives the gospel, you tend to that plant, you help it, you water it, you help it grow, and then eventually you have a bunch of plants ready to be harvested, and there's church formation. We're going to be just looking at the top two squares today. How do we enter the field and uh, share the gospel? Now, they talked a little bit about hindrances, and they listed two, uh, the first two there, competence and confidence. So under competence, they were saying that we need a simple way, a simple way to share the gospel, uh, kind of a winsome way, uh, a way that's short, that is user-friendly, both to the person who's sharing and to the receiver. Um, and we need to be able to explain the gospel. Now, I've been to seminary. I've known the Lord for 40 years. And if somebody says, Jim, tell me the gospel, I kind of freak out inside. I still freak out inside. Like, it's so big. Where do I start? Um, and so this getting at this issue of comp competence, how can you just share it in a forthright and easy way. Anybody like me, they kind of freak out on the inside if somebody says, share the gospel with me. Oh, there's two of us, three of us. Okay, a few more. And then confidence. You know, the Bible says that when we open our mouths, God will fill it 
with the words. Our sharing will be spirit-led. But it also says, always be prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in you. So there's a place for relying on the Holy Spirit, and there's also a place for having a plan for being prepared. And so we're going to talk about that factor. And then there's the authenticity part. How many of you feel like you're having a conversation with someone and inside you're thinking, I'd really like to shift this over to spiritual things, uh, but you just don't have that, that way that doesn't, you know, that feels authentic. Uh, so often I feel like um, if I make that move, I'm going to be like an Amway salesman or something, you know. The person's not going to want to hear it. And uh, I'm really awkward in trying to, to bring it up. It's very unnatural. And uh, so I'm looking for an authentic way, a natural way to share the gospel. What happened here? I've got a different screen here. So uh, I think you'll see that this really helps with authenticity as well because I think it comes out of the sense of it enables us to find a way to be servants rather than salesmen. And so I hope, I hope this is engaging to you. And then lastly, we're looking for a person of peace, a person of peace, they stress. That's someone who will receive the messenger, the message, and the mission. And so we're looking for that person. And that's based on Matthew 10, starting in verse 11. Just let me read that to you. And into whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and abide there until you go away. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, I assume that means worthy of the gospel, Let your greeting of peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your greeting of peace return to you. And whoever does not receive you nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust of your feet. And so we're looking for a person of peace. And the way you discern if it's a person of peace is as you begin to share the gospel, they will tell you whether they want you to stop, proceed with caution, or go for it. Think of a think of a stoplight. At every you know every major intersection, there's a stoplight that has the the green and the yellow and the red, and so that's that's their model. Okay, some more preliminary thoughts. It's not about door knocking. This is about thinking about your sphere of influence. Who around me do I already have relationship with? Who around me can I touch? So pictorially, this is what it looks like. There's you in the center. Um, Well, actually, this is mine. My friend Bill, um, a work buddy, Ralph. That's fictional. Uh, Neighbor, Rhonda. How How can I reach out to Rhonda? At the gym, Julio. That's also fictional. I don't really go to the gym. Uh... And then the grocery guy, the grocery guy, Sammy, who you've had a few conversations with, 
over the produce section. And then the idea is that if you're able to lead these folks to the Lord, um, then you're able to, they're able to lead others to the Lord, and you have a movement. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Okay. So um, the first step you'll see is, is that you pray for your, the people on your relational map. You start praying for them. Lord, give me a way in. Give me a way I can touch them. Give me a way I can reach them. Think about uh, you can build a bridge with them, much like Acts 17.22, where Paul is uh, observing the, the people of Athens, and he gets up to speak to them, and he says, I perceive that you are very religious in every respect. He complimented them, didn't he? And then he went on to talk about the living God. So you can find common ground. You can compliment them. I noticed this about you. Like, let's say you're in the grocery store, and it's very busy. You might, you might um, say to the cashier, man, uh, you, you handle this beautifully. Or I can't believe how hard you work. Um, you know, you can compliment that person and connect with them in that way. And then you're going to see that we offer to pray for them. And what is it about prayer that's so exciting? I, I just wrote here that it opens up the supernatural and it binds you to the person. Prayer, we're not just talking a gimmick here where I'll use prayer or an offer for prayer uh, to open the door. They make a point that what Christ is looking for in disciples is not knowledge, which is our Western notion, that the more knowledgeable we are, the better witnesses we are. That's not necessarily true, is it? But it's those who abide in Christ and who are obedient. Let me read those passages to you briefly. Bill, could you come and get this screen back on? Yeah, just stay up here. The first one is uh, John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then John 14, verse 21, about obedience. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Can I move ahead on this? Okay, so here's step one of this uh, simple plan, and that is to offer to pray for people. So let's say it's the uh, let's say it's a serviceman who's come to your house. This happened to me the week after the training. I had a serviceman come to the house. He was very good at what he did. He helped me. And um, as he was leaving, he, he gave me the bill. And this is the time that has been repeated over and over in my life. We have a lot of servicemen come. Uh, and I want to share with them, but I just don't know what to, you know, how to make that transition. So this time I said, uh, Greg, uh, before you go, I just want to tell you that I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I think God can do anything. 
is there anything I can pray for you about? And he opened up about his, his mom and dad needing prayer. And, um, and so we had prayer, and I wrote down Greg on my prayer list because I want to be, I want to have integrity and say that if I'm going to pray for someone, that I am. And that way, uh, Greg can be watching for God's hand in his life. And uh, we're asking God to show himself to Greg. So is there anything I can pray for you about? And if the person says yes, great. Go ahead and, and say, could we, could we pray now and pray a short prayer? Um, if they say, no, I'm good, you'll hear that, what, Sarah Joy, you think maybe 50% of the time? It's amazing. No, I'm good. You'll hear that. And so they have a follow-up question. They say, well, before I let you go, if you could have a miracle in your life, just one huge miracle, is there something you'd like that to be? And I would say about half the people who say, no, I'm good, you'll watch their eyes go up as they think about what miracle they would like, and then they'll tell you, and then you can pray with them. Joel has a funny story. Joel, come on up and tell uh, about the miracle question and how that worked, worked for you. I was uh, with this amazing team, uh, Nancy and Anna, uh, after our training here and visited several homes. And then we were at, at a home not far from here, just a couple blocks, and it came to the door. There was a really well-dressed man. I found out later his name is Tom, and uh, actually some people in this church know him. But uh, uh, he's, he's a Ma- Manchester's neighbor, actually. So anyway, uh, Tom comes to the door, beautiful home. Uh, everything's just really, really nice. So I... I uh, started off and said, uh, uh, you know, we're just in the neighborhood here, uh, just uh, praying for people. Is there anything we could pray with you about? And he said, no. And uh, so then I said, just like uh, Jim suggested, what about if, uh, if God could do like the greatest miracle you could ever think of in your life? Could we pray about that? He said, if you would leave. And I said, we're on our way. We're on, we're on our way. So that, that, was, that was tremendous. And uh, uh, some, some people... It's a good story, Joe. Yeah, yeah, it's a good story. Yeah, okay. We'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, so Tom did think of a miracle, and that would be that Joel would leave. <laughs> but I'd like to think a little more deeply about what's happening when you offer to pray for someone. Um, I would submit to you that you as a believer are publicly, first of all, you're publicly identifying with Jesus Christ. And uh, that has to be a good thing for us to get very comfortable confessing that we're believers, we're followers of Christ. Remember Christ's words that, um, let's see, it's in Matthew, or excuse me, Mark 8.38 that says this. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father 
with the holy angels. So I want to be very comfortable telling people that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and so offering to pray for them with that little preamble of, hey, I'm a believer in Christ, uh, I'd love to pray for you, is a great thing to do. Amen? And then, secondly, again, I really believe if, if, it's, if your heart is genuine and it's, it's offered out of true servanthood, that um, you're walking in, in servanthood. You're not being a salesman. And so it, it, I think it's a very good, authentic thing to do. And then last, uh, I think you're opening up that person and yourself to the supernatural power of God, to see something happen, to see God intervene. I remember Randy Harrison telling about the family in his church who went to the door and, and uh, prayed for a family, and the next week they were in church because God had answered both their prayers in a very powerful way. Um, that'll happen here. I know it will. You may want to commit to the person to pray every day for a month and ask them to watch for him to do something. I think that's a great, I'm adding that to the training. because So my plan is to have my regular prayer list on one side of a page. And then on the other side of the page, have the people that I've asked to pray for and they've said yes, to pray for a month. And I, I'm only going to commit a month because I'm trusting that there will be more and more people on that list, and I want to rotate them through. Um, I want to add phrases like, he can do anything. He's full of good surprises. You know, we, ha we, have, we have to be careful. I was speaking to my family last night at a gathering that in our minds we don't start to think that God is hard to reach or hard to get a hold of his, his hand to answer our prayers. I think we need to be certain that we are agreeing with the Scriptures, that God can do anything, that he's willing uh, to do things. And so I was saying to my family, let's develop the mindset that God is full of surprises. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's not hard to get a hold of. He's full of good surprises. Do you like that mentality? And so we can approach people with that. I think that's one way that we can fulfill the word that Karen brought about rejoicing in hope. You know, we heard a, we heard a good report on Sarah uh, earlier in the service, that Sarah's home, she's doing a world better, uh, getting lots of good sleep. Uh, I'd like to report that, that Laura, you guys have been praying for her, the fungus in her lung, to uh, dissipate. And we thought it was going the other direction. Her doctor said that she might need to have infusions at home, which meant, you know, a semi-permanent port in her arm and a home health nurse coming and her sitting for several hours a day while medicine is dripped into her arm. And we were just like, oh, God, please no. I mean, that's, that's really going to change a lot for us. And uh, a couple days ago, she got a hold of him, and he said, hey, guess what? Uh, it seems to be 
uh, not there, uh, at least for the most part. Not, he said there was a trace uh, in one test, but, um, and the tumor's still there. I don't mean to mislead you, but the markers by which they measure this were going radically down rather than up. And so we just thank the Lord for that. I thank you for your, for your prayers. He said, he said, Laura, you don't have to come back for three months. And um, so we're just thrilled uh, right now with that report. He's full of good surprises. Okay, so step two is to give a 30-second testimony. If you're getting a green light after you pray with them, uh, you say, could I share a story of hope with you? Uh, Be very short, and often you'll get a yes. And so this is kind of the framework. There was a time in my life when I was, I had it all. Um, I was part of a great family, a loving family. I had plenty of money, a good education, and yet inside I had nothing but despair because when I looked inside myself, all I saw was selfishness and hypocrisy. But when I chose to follow Christ and receive his forgiveness, uh, he gave me a new beginning. And now I truly am a prince among men. Uh, I have joy. I have peace. I have purpose. And uh, I'm wondering, do you have a story like that? And so it invites them to tell their story. I was talking with Nathan uh, Shepard on the ski trip, and he was saying how much he loves this question. Because if you just ask somebody, do you know the Lord in Tulsa? They all know the Lord, right? But you don't have that confidence in your spirit that they, that they really know the Lord. So this question kind of helps clarify whether they do or not. So that's your step two. If they give you a green light, give them your 30-second testimony. And then if you continue to get a green light, you can say this. You know, I learned that God created a perfect world. This is called the three circles. It's a very short gospel testimony that God created a perfect world. But because of sin and selfishness, that world, the world we live in now, is a place of brokenness. Isn't that a good word? And people, we try to escape through different things. We try to escape through uh, fame or through money or through, uh, you know, drugs or, or, or whatever. But uh, no matter what we do, the world pulls us back. This brokenness pulls us back, and we can't escape. But thankfully, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and if we turn to him, uh, we can enter his kingdom where on the cross he exchanged our sin for his righteousness and we can have right relationship with God once again. Where do you find yourself in this story? Isn't that a great question? Where do you find yourself in this story? And many people will say, well, I'm on my, on my way there to, to Christ's kingdom. And then you can follow up with this question, is there any reason, anything keeping you from receiving Jesus Christ right now? 
And uh, often they will say, well, no. And so you can pray with them to receive Christ. So those are the three steps. And it seems to me like the transition questions are what are so useful. Number one, can I pray for you? I see you're working so hard. Can I pray for you? Uh, Or I really admire this about you. Can I pray for you? And again, remember, these are people on your relational map. For example, Rhonda, my neighbor, I think she knows I'm a Christian. Um, So it would be very easy the next time I'm with her to say, Rhonda, you're probably aware I'm a Christian. Um, Is there anything I can pray for you about? I think God can do great things. Um, So very natural. And then if they receive Christ, we can do a little follow-up and say, hey, can I text you my number? And often they will say, sure. And so you say, this is a little tricky. Uh, Being a little tricky here, then you say, well, what's your number so I can text you mine? And then you have their number. And when and where, where could we meet up? Is there a time we could meet up later this week or next week? So that's the model. I wish I could say any questions. Or any of you who took the class, is there anything that you would add that I've forgotten? Let's just talk briefly about the strengths. I think this gives us some structure, and we can let the Holy Spirit burst the pipes. Um, That's kind of the way I approach preaching, is I want to have a structure in mind, and then I want to ask the Holy Spirit to just burst the pipes and uh, take over. I think the approach is easy and natural and authentic, um, and it's based in servanthood rather than salesmanship. Uh, I think we ought to add a column on our prayer list for people that we offer to pray for and they want prayer and really do it. So God can show himself. I think they'll be watching for God to show himself if they know we're praying every day for a month. And then I'd like to offer a challenge to all of you, and that is uh, I'd like to challenge each one of us to offer to pray for somebody this week and just see how it goes. Just take that step one and say, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I just think God can do anything. Is there anything I could pray for you about? And if they say, no, I'm good, then what do you do, Rebecca? Yeah, yeah. And if they say, get out of my face, then you've got a red light, right? And if they say, if they say, well, I'm really busy right now, uh, you know, well, can I just pray for you later today or, you know, over the next several days, you know, so you're not stopping them in public and grabbing their hands and, yeah, good. Let's give Rebecca a hand. She was listening. All right, let's pray real quick, and then we'll move into the baptism. Father, we thank you for this training we received, uh, no place left. We thank you for your word to us, that it's a year of harvest. We pray that these, this tool would be helpful to us, Lord, and that you would put somebody in our path or one of, our, one of the people on our relational map, Lord, that we could 
easily and naturally say, hey, is there any way I can pray for you? I just think God can do anything. And uh, I'd like to pray for you. Is there any way I can pray for you? And then help us, Lord, to have integrity, to truly pray. And then may you show your power and your might to that individual. And may they be drawn into your kingdom, just like that proverb says, while we're sleeping, Lord, you're working and doing things and bringing the growth. We praise you for that. Help us to be servants, Lord, to be ambassadors, authentic, adequate ministers of the new covenant, your word says. So give us that confidence, give us the competence, and give us the authenticity. We ask finally, Lord, that you would keep evangelism, keep the lost in our hearts this year. And we pray that we would see many saved, many coming to Christ, and many, many baptisms. And we thank you for the baptism that's about to occur. To occur, Lord, may you be glorified, and may you give this one newness of life. We praise you in Jesus' name.